0: What's Good Podcast. Are you ready? Your number one source. To all the keys in the industry.
1: With Brianna Javon.
0: It's the What's Good Podcast.
1: What's good. Hey ladies and gents, this is your girl Brianna Javon with What's Good Podcast. And we are in season five. Thanks to you all. The theme of this season is film. So I've reached out to some of my good, good friends and we're going to go ahead and tap into other people that I've never met before. But today we have an amazing friend of mine. Well, probably, I mean, this could be some gossip show. This could be a little catch up on Brianna. So like, this could be a total different show if I could let it be. But yeah, let's welcome. you is me. <laughs> <laughs> let's welcome. Chris. welcome. How art thou, friend?
0: I'm doing amazing. I'm doing amazing. I'm still in LA. I'm still out here hustling, trying to get it, making sure I don't go back to Orange Child. I know this.
1: <laughs> Well, as you guys and gals know, we do not have interviews, but instead we had genuine conversations. So let's get into it. Chris, we always start out with icebreakers. So are you ready for yours? Sure, let's go. And I'm really excited to actually hear your answer to this because you're so confident. So I'm excited to hear your answer to this. Okay, your question is, do you think you are good at what you do and why?
0: I think I am really good at what I do. I think that whenever you find your groove, it's easy. I always tell people I don't work hard, I work smart. And to do that, you have to really be in your element. You have to really know what the fuck it is that you're doing because it's not really cutting corners. It's just getting to the goal with a level of ease because you're always going to encounter a problem at work. You're always going to have a problem that you have to find a solution for. But I feel like if you're working smarter, you typically are getting to it faster, which allows you to accomplish more things. And you have to really be good at what you do to get the work done and not break a sweat while you do it.
1: Okay, so I want to tap in that a little bit more, because that's been my mindset lately, is I want to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. So what was that one incident that made you change your mindset to think that way?
0: I mean, I don't ever think I really worked hard for anything. Like, you've known me since undergrad. You know, I wrote everybody's papers. I... Partied my ass off. I did all of the things. I traveled and I mean, I still got out of undergrad with a major change from pharmacy to communication and still uh-huh. made it to grad school and was done with my master's by 23. With all of the things that you know that happened in my life from being my grandmother's power of attorney, dealing with my grandpa, dealing with my mom, all of these things were all happening. But I just kept the goal in mind. And I think that for me, because I've always had so many hats and so many people have depended on me, my goal is always, well, how can I still do all of these things, stay sane, and still be able to figure out what's next? So the only way to do that is to work smart. Because if you work hard, you depl- you deplenish yourself. You're tired. You're depleted. Like I just never wanted to fall into that rut where I was burnt out. So the best way to do that is to assess the whole situation figure out where things can go wrong and come up with a plan of execution and then just go for it
1: do you ever think about plan b or is it always plan a and we just gonna stick to it it's like a tunnel vision in a sense
0: like plan a typically is the goal for it to work but in plan a there might be plan a1 A1 a1-3 and then there's in that plan C, which might come after plan B, once a sub part of plan A fell through, or since this fell just completely shoot down plan B, D and M, we might need to jump straight to plan Q. Like I literally think of everything through and break it down. Like it's a it's a weird thought process. And when I break down how I think to like people that ask me, like, well, how'd you come up with this? Or what, how'd you just, how do you already know what the next thing to do is? I'm like, cause I already thought about this when we first said we were doing whatever we're doing. Because um, everything's going to have a problem, that's what makes great project managers. That's what makes great managers, period, or people that lead. Uh-huh. I need to be able to foresee a problem and not only assess that a problem is imminent, but know how to fix that problem. And I just don't uh-huh. like be stupid. And I feel like when a problem happens, and so on sets, I'm the producer. So that's wardrobe, that's hair, that's makeup, that's lighting, that's gaffer, that's audio, that's freaking camera crew, that's production crew, that's catering. All of these parts, and if you're the director's staff, all Mm. of these people report to the producer. The director is the glorified job, but the person that had to go to work for any of those people to show up is me. I did the permits. I did the location scouting. I broke down the script. I sat down with the director and worked out the lookbook and the shot list. I've done all these things. So for all of these departments to come to you and have random questions and fires that you have to put out, You just have to have a certain level of problem solving naturally that no matter what, you always have an answer. And on a set, you know, 10 minutes can be thousands of dollars. So every moment Hmm. that you don't have an answer that you're searching for, there's something else that's failing. So you're like the puppet master of all these things. You have to have a certain intellectual composite that allows you to see everything through from the beginning.
1: So, like you mentioned, like you're super analytical.
0: Mm-hmm. Yet still creative. So, there are a few producers that are like creative lines. So, it's like, mm-hmm. um, you can give me a script and come up with this thing and I can deal with the character development. I can come up with the plot. I can come up with how to make the story have its flow according to the rubric mm-hmm. of how we write scripts. And also be able to be like, okay, all right, you want to blow up a car. Well, it takes this permit, you need this coordinator, you have to average in this money for all of it. You didn't have to average in the place that you're doing it. Do you need a certain level of do you need police presence there because you're doing it in Glendale versus LA County? It's so many huh. small factors to think about. So a lot of people are like, Oh, I have this dream, I wanna be an actor, I wanna write, I wanna, you know, make these great films, but you want to make this film with all of this action in it and all this special effects, but you're trying to do it for fifty thousand dollars. That's impossible. So it's also mm-hmm. being realistic in the goals that you set to, which I think a lot of creatives don't have, because uh-huh. you, bitch, my mind goes like, <laughs> we're going to come up with the most elaborate plan. We're up all night. It's going to do this, this, mm-hmm. thing. and I'm like. I mean, yeah, but that'll cost this. We only got that. So let me scale that back and be realistic. Because mm-hmm. between the wildest imagination and reality is sensibility. And I think mm-hmm. for a creative, because you just care so much about your project and you're passionate about it, and you just have this vision you don't want to stray away from, it's hard to get that business through it. For me, as somebody that's on both sides, it's hard to talk to a writer like, Your script is great, but this budget you got won't work. So you need Uh to change the vision and come up with something else or seek these alternative routes to get what it is that you need. And we're doing consultations and I'm like being real and they just still cannot grasp it. Uh So it takes a certain level of detachment to have something that you care about so deeply. And you are going to have to scale back from the original vision and then become realistic. And for a lot of people that don't appreciate the business side of it, it, takes the, it just strips them of the creativity and they lose it. So I think being able to be an analytical creative is very, very important.
1: This has gotten off to an amazing start. Okay, we haven't even gotten to the genuine conversation. <laughs> yeah. This is exciting. Okay, so let's get into the genuine conversation now. I usually start off with who is the guest. So for you, is who is Chris?
0: Uh, Chris is a country bumpkin hitting his toes and head on shelves and bedposts all over LA, trying to figure it out. <laughs> Uh, Chris is an Mm -hmm. author, writer, um, editor, journalist, creative director, and production consultant. I'm the person that you call whenever you just had a car wreck, you need to figure out the first step of doing your car insurance. I'm also the first person you call and you're like, all right, I have an idea for a book. How do I map it out? Hell, I'm the person you call like, hey, my grandma's sick. We need to figure out nursing home, end of life. My mission, I talk about it in my book, is that I don't want to know everything about something but I'm on a mission to know something about everything. And so I Mm. think that's why my trajectory has just been so interesting and not linear. And people be like, what do you do? I'm like, well, it just depends on where the money is and who's calling, you know, I'm all over the place.
1: And with me knowing this, right. I've always wondered was that something like you growing up? Because you've always been like a go with the flow. Bree, let's go to here. Let's go here. Like, let's do this. Let's go do that. Even when I had, you remember when I had came to LA and we had that list, you was like, okay, what are we doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> so has that always been just you growing up or maybe when we went to college? Because you've always been a go with the win. And now I get it, the mindset of, I just want to know a little bit. Just a little bit of everything. I don't have to know everything, but just give me a little bit of it and I'll be all right. So now that makes sense. But where did that come from?
0: I don't know. I think that, so my mother was older. My mom had me at 36. My dad was 42. My grandparents were in their late 60s, early 70s. So it was just a completely different millennial experience than somebody Uh born in 1992 with a mother born in 1970. You know, my mother was born mm-hmm. in the 50s. So mm-hmm. that's completely a different landscape. So I'm not going to spend that in my friend's house. And I grew up an only child. You know, my brother died when I was nine. He was 24. He had sickle cell. So that made my mother, I guess when a mother loses a child, the remaining children she just hovers over them and loves them insanely way more than she did before. And I think that that was the thing that my mother was like always trying to keep me under her thumb, but Raising me was hard. I always fought back. I always knew that I was different. I always knew that this small town with 18,000 fucking people in it had nothing for me from the time I was 11. Like, I knew there was something different about me from my cousins and my classmates and even my mom. Like, I've just never understood her. And I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I don't want Oh, mom, I wanna go here. No, no, you're not going. And I was always like, oh, when I get grown, I'm going to go. Like, I'm gonna do it all. If I wanna do it, I'm outside. And from the, I woke up on my 18th birthday and I told my mom, I'm moving out your house and I'm never coming back. And I'll be 30 in March and I have not gone back to my mother's house. Rain, hills, sleep, snow, starvation, homelessness. I'm not, I'm not going back. Cause that, that's defeat, the cause there's nothing there. So I think that uh-huh. when I got to college, and I was just around all these different personalities. Compared to like the people I graduated high school with, is the uh-huh. same classmates I had since preschool. Whereas in um. Dallas, there are thousands of kittens in your school. My graduating class was 142 people. Damn!
2: Yeah. So y'all been
0: everybody business. Everybody to this day. I just got a I just got a video yesterday of two of my high school classmates fighting in the streets, and it was so nostalgic. I'm like, wow, well, y'all been fighting since 2008. but it just reminds me it just makes me not that I'm better than anybody but it just makes me really number one appreciate having the experiences of being from there but Mm -hmm. also being able to appreciate 50 times more the experience of being somebody that's 29 is an Mm -hmm. author has had a master's degree that's six years old that has been the five continents you know, I've just had a world-renowned life experience and I just think that, you know, all of those things have built me up and going to TSU and meeting other great black people and then coming to LA to go to grad school and culturing myself completely different in diversity and mm-hmm. just becoming more well-rounded. Like, yeah, it just is a constant, it's just a constant mission of learning. And growing up, my dad used to always say, "A that knows everything is ready to die. And I used oh. to hate hearing that it Mm bothered me fuck out of me (laughs) but now I'm almost 30 and I'm like okay every day is a learning lesson Mm -hmm. so if you're just receptive to learning then you know your life will just move on a pivot like it's like all right there's something new to do every day figure it out and just do it
1: that is so true okay so I want to kind of take it back right we talk about your foundation let's talk about college because you did switch degrees from pharmacy to, I mean, I know you did debate, but was it to communications? Mm-hmm, right okay. Down. What made you change the, like, okay, pharmacy is not for me. Like, what was that? What What was that phase, that transition?
0: pre I feel <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, my God. I must be going to pre the first day. God, I think his name was Professor Hollis or something like that. And he put this fucking uh-huh. test in front of us on the first day, and I didn't know not one of the answers. And I was the first one done, but I wasn't done at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, this is the base of everything you're going to do. He was like, do you know that you're going to take organic chemistry in two years? And I was like, yeah. I was like, but science is easiest to math. He was like, well, that's where science and math meet the road. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh." hi, I want to change my major. Real quick. And on top of that, it, I went to HBC. You know, we went to Texas Southern, but in the mm-hmm. pharmacy program, you have a lot more Indian, Asian influence. It's not really the black experience and the class blocks are weird. You're taking long labs. You're having to study way more. So I'm walking down the Tiger Walk and, you know, it's hump day. But I'm like, oh, right. dude, I really want to fuck it up on the yard right now. But damn, I got to go to pharmacy elective. I have to know the top 300 drugs in three weeks. Gosh, am I doing? I was just like, I'm not getting a great experience. And Once you get into the electives and you'd be like, oh, this is the career. This is the field. I have all this personality. Am I really going to be cooped up in your local Walgreens pharmacy pushing pills? Mm
1: -hmm. No. That's how I felt about accounting. I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. I totally. So what pushed you to communication specifically?
0: Uh, I had done debate all of my years of high school. I was always a great orator, even though I used to be country. <laughs> and it was just like speaking was always my thing. I stayed in trouble. My senior year, I got voted most spirited and most talkative. Like, I've just always been that person. I've always been argumentative. I've always questioned why. I've always had an opinion. I've always prided myself on not only having an opinion, but a formidable opinion that makes sense and is shrouded in fact or an experience that is relevant to whatever's being talked about. And so Mm -hmm. I always knew I loved entertainment. I did drama in high school. I did, I was thespian, I did, um, you know, I was on debate. So that's extemporaneous speaking, that's impromptu, that's dramatic interpretation, prose and poetry. So I was geared for uh, entertainment career, entertainment, hosting, working in the background, and I've always read well too. And, you know, people are in the business for the show, but I'm in the show for the business because the business is where the money is made. And you so th- I just felt that, you know, and I think that it was a thing about money. I think mm-hmm. money played a big part in that because it was like, mm, I can go do this six years. I'll be 24, 23 years old. I have this PhD in pharmaceuticals and, okay, doctorate mm-hmm. of pharmacy. That's great. I'm making $160,000, but am I happy? Right, so um, my dad didn't talk to me for a month after I changed my major, he was so pissed off at me. You just gonna be broke. Mm-hmm. I want to be a broke ass man. Entertainment ain't never made nobody no money. I'm like, mm, Denzel Washington, we could go, The list literally truly goes on you and on. Prior, mm-hmm. like, I, so many people have gone and made it, but once again, I'm a country.
2: What did addict.
0: your mom say about it? My mom is just happy that. I'm not somewhere selling drugs and I ain't got a whole bunch of kids running around and when she needs somebody to help pay a bill, I got it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think my was uh-huh. to be about me being happy and I think that her thing, child, if you go ask my mama what it is that I do, she can't even explain it. I'd be like, mom, I'm a producer. I do this, this, and that. And she's like, so is, is, is that like a lawyer? I'm like, no, not quite. But I do work in the space where law, I do have to understand the law in regards to production because there's copyright infringement, mm-hmm. there's trademark infringement, there's all type of labor laws because I'm hiring this staff and knowing meal breaks, how overtime works in the state of California. So I got to know all these things, but it's not quite like that. But yeah, my dad just was really worried about me being broke. Plus, you know, my dad had cancer my freshman year. So for him, he wanted to make sure like, if I die tomorrow, I need to feel like, damn, my son is going to be able to make it. But he died never being able to grasp it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to move to California. Oh, you crazy. Like, what you going to do out there? It's expensive. You ain't got no money. And then Uh i like, I don't know. I'm going to make it work. And I've been here seven years now. You have.
1: And I'm (laughs) so proud of you. Okay, so good transition going to California. The ideal question would be, why California? But I don't want to ask that. I want to know what that looked like as far as you traveling in that mindset. Like, I'm really about to go to L.A. and, like, live it up and go after my dreams. That's what I want to know.
0: I don't know. It was weird. So, it was, um, so there's a professor at Texas Southern. His name is Dr. Tyrone Dixon. He's very, mm-hmm. down. Um, what's that movie, Roll Bounce with Bow Wow? It's based Mm -hmm. off of his documentary, Eight Wheels and Some Soul Brother Music. It's a documentary about skating. And then he pitched the idea with some fellow producers to get roll bounce made. And so I took a couple of his classes when I switched over to radio, TV, film communication. And he just always was like, you're a great writer and you comprehend well. Like, I believe that if you go to L.A., you will be great. Like, you will figure it out. You'll make it work or at least get some type of expound on what it is you have going on. And I was like, oh, you crazy as hell. That was around November. So right before Christmas break 2013, Mm -hmm. going into the spring of 2014 when I graduated, he was like, I'm going to be in L.A. from these dates. Pick a date. Come out to L.A. I'll show you around. You can go look at some couple of grad schools, you know. Let's do it. Because I don't know anybody in L.A. I think I know that. Huh? i did not know that i thought i thought it was new york first and then la Mm -mm. so i i wanted to do new york so that's when i went to go visit after graduation and realized i hated new york because i was like okay i'm planning to move to la but new york dc atlanta chicago and la were my five cities and all of the other ones got too cold and la just had the most promise for money and so when i came to visit that january uh first place I went was to the beach and I stood at Venice beach and I was just like, Oh my God, I've never stood on a beach like this. Like this is beautiful. Like this is it. And, um, well I lied. That was a year, a few months after I went to Africa, Africa has the most beautiful beaches in the world. But as far as a place I could at that time tangibly Mm -hmm. live that's close enough to home, like in all of America, this is beautiful. This weather in January is perfect. I just left a cold ass Texas. And you mean to tell me it's January and I can be at the beach, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I should have booked the fucking one way. <laughs> so I went through that did that did trip or whatever, um, fell in love with the city. So six weeks later, it was spring break. I came back in March, I stayed for a week. That time I got a rental car, moved around, looked at apartments, figured out like living, getting around. And yeah, six months later, uh, then I visited New York that summer when Jarvis was going to grad school in Columbia. Really, mm-hmm. I hated New York. I didn't like the subway. You know, in Texas, we're not used to public transportation. Like we this. don't know
1: what that looks like.
0: And it's disgusting. It's a third world country <laughs> to me. I just, not my thing by far. But um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, after that, I was actually bicycling across the Brooklyn Bridge. And I got a phone call from my advisor at New York Film Academy, the branch in LA where I ended up going. And she was like, "Hi, um, the cost of attendance is eighty thousand, and we want to give you a thirty thousand dollars scholarship. Plus, my dad was had was in the military, so I had BA B. benefits.
2: Why so
0: all of that coupled, I was like, okay, so I can go to LA and go to film school and cover the same cost as if I would have went to UT Austin's program. Why not? Mm-hmm. Took a chance, moved here, not knowing the soul." Uh, come to find out my cousin was living here in downtown L.A. He was trying to work on his music career. And then that moved where I had a place to stay because his roommates wanted to move out. Then I ended up finding an apartment in the valley after that lease ended. Like everything just worked like so smoothly. Like it was just meant for me to be here. And that's when I was like, yeah, California was it. It was just the vibe. It was the fact that the cap, if I was going to work with my degrees in Texas, I'd be working in the newsroom because my minor was journalism or I'd be writing for some local newswire. Never would I be on the music set with a producer who has an Oscar or sitting here at a restaurant and I'm able to just go walk up and talk to this famous producer or this writer or this artist or whatever. Like that's just not an experience that Texas allowed me to have. So coming here with what what my dreams were at that time, the goals I had set and just the pace of my career at the time, California just seemed to be the best place to go.
1: I have to agree 100% with that. My experience only being there for, what, two months? And, you know, I want to be a little stylish back in the day. A little stylish. A little stylish. Okay. Okay. And what? I was able to style uh, Denise Dutain within Mm -hmm. two months. And that was just off connecting with people. Well, through you. Thank you. <laughs> so I have to, uh, it's a total different vibe. If I've
2: being never gotten
0: a, yes. got a job in LA except the one time when I worked at the porn company. <laughs> oh, <I remember. laughs> that's not the only job I can remember applying for. Every other part of my career here has come from somebody knowing about me or having heard about me. And yes. that's why LA is a place that's very big on reputation what you know here doesn't matter it's great that you know something but to get in the door to use that you pretty much have to know somebody it's very much so a city that's gatekept by a few people it's a well
1: so i have to ask you because some people don't know how to network some people just sit in the room in the corner they hold up walls and they're like okay i'm gonna just wait for somebody to come to me How do you particularly go into events or go into these uh, networking parties or whatever that may look like and make sure that you rub elbows and shake hands and leave with a number or two or even just an impression?
0: First of all, I make sure my outfit is cute.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You ain't lying about that.
0: Gotta make sure my outfit is cute because number one, that then gives a layer allowing somebody who might be like the person you described as nervous. Now you got to end. Oh my God, your suit is all houndstooth. I love it. Where did you get your suit from? Oh, I got it from blah, zay, blah, oh, duh, 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 duh. oh, what do you do? Now a conversation is sparked. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And that's, and in LA networking is different too, because you always fall into the groove of it. Even if you're just out to lunch or at dinner, because in LA, everybody's going to ask who, you know, Where do you work? What are you working on? And they just really, how many followers do you have? Can I get your Instagram? Like, well, my name is Chris. Nice to meet you. Like, you just bombarded me, asking me all my personal life. Let's start off with just basic, we're people. I'm Chris. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It does get convoluted. And I think that the landscape here almost forces networking. Because even if you're uncomfortable, every waiter, every bartender, every hotel manager, every goddamn person that you walk on the street has a script, wants to be an actor, is a director, wants to be a cameraman, wants to direct music videos. Everybody here has a dream. And Mm -hmm. so it just kind of is like, everybody wants to talk about what they have going on. So you're kind of pushed into it. Versus a place like Houston, I would then need to figure out my end. Okay, hmm, who have they talked to in the room? Have they talked to anybody that I know? Could I allow that person to then give me a segue? Once again. I might not even like your outfit, but I might be like, oh, my God, that's a great suit coat. Where did you get that from? And then Mm -hmm. I sparked that conversation. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. I have a pitch meeting, and I was just trying to think of something to wear, and your blazer looks great. Um, What field do you work in, blah, blah, blah? Mm -hmm. How you sparked it. It's just trying to find, you just have to find a level of commonality between you and the networking point. Ride Mm -hmm. that into the threshold, and then everything else just, for me, organically happens. But you also can't think, face. You can't think you're too cute and you're just sitting in the corner of a room like...
1: And I feel like that's California.
0: I feel like I got... That was a lot of that in California. And those are the girls that are going to be 45 remembering the time when they were 25 and they were in that room sitting there being too cute and now they're 45, it's all dried up and there are no opportunity because you didn't seize the day when it was your time. Not dried up. <laughs> now, so,
2: as you mentioned... like... <laughs>
1: But you mentioned, um, which is something I kind of want to backpedal on as well, there are a lot of actors, actresses, producers, directors, et cetera, in LA, all have the same dream of just making it, basically. It may look different from, you know, other people, but they just want to make it. So how do you set yourself apart from the next person?
0: By not being thirsty for it. It's a lot of Mm, things
2: Because they need something to
0: drink. They need something to drink. They need something at the bank. Everybody needs something. They're looking for a point of collaboration. Like, I'm not thirsty for it. Uh, I've worked in places and it's just like, I get this vibe because I guess when people want you to work hard, there's a thing where they want you to sweat for it. But I I remember when I started working at Fashion Over they asked me in an interview, are you a hard worker? I said, no, I'm a smart worker, which means you'll get more work out of me than a hard worker. And she just kind of was like, Okay. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know, you just have to stand apart. Like I know everybody else is bringing you something similar, but it's not wrapped up in the total packages me. Not only am I able to write, I have a strong verbal presence. Not only that, I know how to lead and delegate. Not only that, I have an education underneath that. Aside from that, I'm likable. Aside from that, I'm funny. Aside from that, I know conflict resolution. So outside of just being a writer or a producer, It's the little petty particulars that fall in between and not everybody's going to possess. Because there are people out here that are talented, but they have no Mm -hmm. people. Like Summer Mm -hmm. Walker, for instance, horrible anxiety. That makes it hard for her to work in a room. She's done amazing with that. However, she had to have a hell of a talent, a hell of a talent for somebody to be like, all right, we're going to deal with your social anxiety. We're going to deal with the fact that sometimes you might hold up shows and cost us money, but you're so goddamn good at what you do, we're going to deal with it. But also, it didn't seem like she was too thirsty for it. It just naturally mm-hmm. happened. I try not to push it. Some people want to force their art on you. They want to force that script in your hand. I'm I'm just not going to do that because I know I would be a new one. So I typically, I know it's cliche, but treat others how I want to be treated. I don't want to be around somebody that's so thirsty for opportunity because when you're that thirsty for opportunity, you're going to start fucking people over. Like you'll do anything. You don't do it, start doing things you
1: don't regret
0: yep and i always in my book i also talk about you got to be able to go to sleep knowing that what you did for the success or whatever it is you got around you at the end of the day when it's just you landing that bed and your head's on that pillow and you're reflecting you have to be able to be like you know what this was worth it because for everybody the ends do not justify the means on, oh, chris that was good oh that was really <laughs> <laughs> just like I've in all right, years so. i've seen la suck people up i have seen a nice mm-hmm. sweet calm girl come here from the middle of georgia smiling with all her teeth and she's going on audition after audition she's trying to book e-commerce shoots. she's trying to you know be on a billboard and it don't happen for her Next thing you know, she's out every night. Next thing you know, she's drinking and turning up. She's a bottle girl. Next thing you know, she's trying to just get in with a baller around the player and just being thirsty. I mean, there's girls out here that will see me and you talking. And if I'm a baller, will interject herself right here like we're not talking. It gets very thirsty in the space. And a lot of people can't handle, I guess they would say, competition. But I've never, I've never felt that somebody who was being thirsty was going to outshine my presence of just being in the room let alone my work ethic, my capability, and just what I offer on the table. It's really just confidence in what you got to offer, knowing that even if you do pass up what I got, it's going to be you that regrets it. That's true. That's so
2: good.
1: All right, so now we're going to get into our storytelling portion. This is pretty much the highs and lows of life, business, whatever that looks like for you. So we're going to start off with patting yourself on the back.
0: What are some highs to where you can say, dang, Chris, you did it? Putting my book out at the top of the pandemic. I remember when we talked about, you was like, write the book, write the book. Why are you not writing the book? Put the book out. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna put the book out. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it really came out like good. It came out better than I thought. Like I've sold hundreds of copies of it. And I'm just like, dang, like in the first year of a book, self-help book that's my size and in that market you might sell a hundred copies so to have sold hundreds in that year and a half time I'm you know i'm really impressed um working at fashion nova was a big deal it definitely boosted my network it boosted the people i had access to the rooms i'm able to get in it definitely did do a lot on the resume on the back end of anything else that happened with that part of my career um What else is it? Uh, I haven't had to sleep under a bridge or in a tent in L.A. You've been here. You've seen the tents and the bridges. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that is a, like, that's a real good pat on the back. Because that made me so nervous. It was like a whole street. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and
0: there's people I know that, there's a guy I know. He sold the app. He's made Forbes 30 Under 30. He was sleeping in his car. Yeah and literally got a call like hey we want to buy your app and then his name and face was everywhere and nobody talked about oh this is the young man that was homeless sleeping in his car all of that stopped mattering so it's just like you always are this close to your dream in Hollywood you just have to be you know willing to go out and get it so I think those are the highs I've had it's just you know Oh, and the networking I've done. Like, my God, the people I've been in rooms with, the freaking contacts that I can just call off the rip. Like, hey, oh, Chris! And these people that you see and you be like, oh, my God, that's such and such. I'm like, come on, child, please. We're going to smoke a blunt with her later. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's definitely, I don't know, I'm proud to have created this lifestyle. Come, you know, coming from where I'm from, like, this shit is impossible. <laughs> like... No kid in orange is supposed to be living in the second largest city in the country and thriving and doing well and making it happen. So just that alone, even if all my shit would have failed me being able to hold it afloat this long with no accolades, I still feel enriched in what I've done.
2: I'm so proud.
1: I mean, when you said that goal, we talked about the book, we talked about you moving and grooving and going after your dreams. You are doing it and not looking back.
0: Yes. So I, nothing me. about what's behind you
1: you can only move forward i love it so much okay so let's talk about the other end of the spectrum which is a low. anything that makes you question should i move forward with me doing this or should i stop and maybe go back home anything that makes you a
0: question like i'll never forget i had a one-way flight booked back i had scheduled to ship my car back home i was going to use my last three grand to fly home ship my car and figure out an apartment somewhere in houston because i was like yo because it was after my grandma died and when all that stuff happened with her insurance policies my mom and my aunt nobody we need seventy five hundred dollars in 48 hours that's or you not having a funeral yeah. and i'm like oh damn like that's my grandma i'm not gonna put in an unmarked grave so i spent that eight thousand dollars or whatever. On top of the week that I paid that $8,000, it was the week that I shot my master's thesis film, which cost me Mm -hmm. $3,500. I had to do all the graduation requirements because I was two months away from my master's degree. Plus, I live in Los Angeles, which means I have rent, gas that cost at the time like $4.70 a gallon, Um, insurance, maintenance, you know, I need hair, I need to get my mani-pedi, I need to go get my facials. Like, I have a certain lifestyle. I have a fluff and fold bill. Like, the lifestyle just intensifies. So at that time I'm rambling. I'm like, like, you know, I'm rambling, doing all of this, trying to keep it a fall. I'm like, you know, I'm about to have this master's degree. They're gonna love me, I'm great. I'm gonna get a job off the bat. Okay, here's the money, have the funeral. All that gets done, I graduate. That's January, February roll around, no job. March roll around, no job. June roll around, no job. My savings account, no job is showing. Then by September, it's like, okay, I'm strapped. I finessed everything I can, and now it's like, okay, I'm losing my apartment. I'm barely holding on to my vehicle. Why the fuck is nobody calling Chris Welcome with an opportunity? If anybody should be getting an opportunity, it's me. But mm-hmm. that just wasn't what the universe had. So I remember signing up for Texas teachers, you know, like most people from Texas do when it gets sour. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go back. I'm going to work in this school district. I'm going to go to Aldean. They'll pay me 60000 with a master's degree because in Texas, $60,000, you can be a sugar daddy and be taking care of yourself. You better say it. <laughs> Out here with $60,000, you're still getting food stamps, okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a difference. It's a total <laughs> different lifestyle. Okay. And I don't know. It was just all of those things. And then I was like, you know what, let me just eat this up. I'm gonna go home for a year and I'm gonna come back. And my everybody just kept saying people that leave don't come back. And then that was my three year mark. And then I thought of all the people that was like, oh, I'm gonna come back. Oh, I'll be back in six months. None of those people came back. And I was <laughs> like, ugh so I fought it out to the last day literally the next morning at 8am I was going to meet this guy said to put my car on his truck and that evening at 4 I was going to fly out to Houston Mm -hmm. my friend called me the night before and she was like hey I just got this job at um, MPC which is the moving picture company Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay she was like and I need a producer I need somebody that works in production that I can hire to start like next week I was like bitch I'm moving home tomorrow I I was like, I'm on a one-way home. She was like, do you want to stay? I'm like, yeah. She was like, well, I'm telling you, you got a job. (laughs) So I still went home, left my car here. I went home. I stayed home for a week just to visit my mom and like wrap my mind around the clusterfucker, Like, okay. I just had, once again, I had my plan A. Me going home was like plan P. Mm -hmm. I had tried so many other things in between. So I'm like, all right, plan P is to go home. Then once I get home, I can interact with Q through Z and figure it out. Until I get back to my plan A, which is to be my ass in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my friend Alex heard. I'll never forget it, called me and was like, I got a job. And I was like, okay, it's meant for me to be here. Mm -hmm. So at this time, I'm staying with a friend in North Hollywood. I end up getting a spot subletting out of this townhouse in the Beverly Hills area. I'm like, I'm working for Motion Picture Company. I'm hustling, doing this and that on the side. And three weeks into the job, I get let go. And I'm like, I just moved into a Townhouse, where I'm splitting rent three ways at five thousand dollars. What you mean? You not about what you mean? No, 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 no. I need this job. And then that happened. And then there was so many other things that happened. I ended up figuring out a way because I'm a finesse. I figured out how to get out that lease without telling them I lost the job. Kept that up for enough time as I could. And then from there, I ended up getting the job at the porn company, which then expanded my skill set. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow. Like, there's a book called The caballion and it's about these ancient Hamidic principles. It says that life's pendulum doesn't swing one way negatively without swinging the same force in the positive direction. So, life can mm-hmm. be shitty as hell, but it's gonna get awesome as fuck if you just ride the pendulum to the other side. And so, I just always kept that in mind and stayed positive. So, even at my lowest moments, it's like things always worked out. So, now I don't even look at my moments as lows. I just look at them as my lowest highs.
1: Mm. (laughs) That was so good. Okay. So as you know, people pay thousands and thousands of dollars for advice and people don't use it, right? Mm -hmm. So what would be one free advice that you could give somebody that wants to be a producer or want to write a book, anything of that nature that they can actually start today or tomorrow?
0: Hmm. If you want to write a book, the only thing I can tell you to do is just start it. Uh, for some people that might be just writing an outline, for some people that might be like me, just go out, starting with the first word and just writing it down to the 20,000, 15,000, however long, just start it. It's no right or wrong way to get started. The The point is just to get into the hustle and bustle and figure it out. Uh, I don't think anybody who's had a great idea off the rip came out just knowing exactly how I was going to work or all the petty particulars just got off their ass and did it. Um, as far as producing goes, producing is a very fickle space because it's a very legal space. It's a very analytical business space, but it's also a creative space and it's very hard for those two to sensibly sit on in the same place. And so you just have to be well-versed. You have to number one, like to read, you have to be very responsible. Um, you should really be looking up the laws that go into filmmaking because as a producer, the person that gets sued when shit goes sour is the producer because I was the person that was supposed to check safety. So my gaffer might've left the wire out for the camera overnight Mm -hmm. and the kid skateboarding might've fallen over the rope and broke his leg. Well, because that was owned by the set, That gaffer is, I mean, that grip is not going to take that lawsuit. It's going to be me and my production company and my insurance policy, because I was supposed to be the last point of checking. So a lot of people want to get out into the field and produce, but there's a lot of business that goes into it. I paid $80,000 for a master's degree so that I would know the ins and outs of it. Uh, Taking the class, producers' craft, like teaching me about the creative aspect. Um, knowing how to communicate with directors, knowing all of the pieces that you need. Even if me and you have a scene right now and I fake slap you, there's a whole person I have to hire called the stunt coordinator that gets paid very well just to ensure that it's safe. So it's like Mm -hmm. understanding everything because there are thousands of films that get made every year, but so many of them don't make it out because there's copyright infringement, there's trademark infringement. Mm -hmm. Something petty is me walking through a scene in the neighborhood and this house here has a copyright for the architect and it's in my scene. That architect sees my film. Oh, wait, they didn't ask me, could they shoot that in front of my home that I own the copyright to the design? Wow. And so now you're getting sued, which is why you need to know about the insurance that goes into it. There's general liability and there's error and omission. So if my film is, copyright infringed or trademark infringed or there's something that i inadvertently stole from somewhere that i wasn't thinking about i won't be bankrupt by but for years my insurance policy will cover it i just say if you're going to get into production don't just try to get into the creative space without understanding the business because the business is the main bulk of it wow it's a
2: it's
1: a hard job
0: it's a very hard job.
1: And potatoes. I mean, you really gave the meat and potatoes of it because some people think it's just so easy. No. In every in every industry, I feel like people think it's so easy because they see somebody else do it. So they're like, let me just jump into it. If they can do it, I can do it too.
0: And I hate that because, you know, when I moved to LA, right. I didn't know anybody that lived here. And then it was like, I knew people mm-hmm. t- that lived here. I was like, are you just having a meeting being like, well, if Chris can do it, I can do it. What does that mean? <laughs>
1: Done. Okay, so we are at the end of our conversation. Mm-hmm. We usually end it with what's, what's called a motivational moment. We usually leave it with a Bible verse, a quote, anything that in my eye. I bring it on here. I share my thought
0: process, and you share yours, and then that's a wrap. That sounds. Like are you a- ready for the motivational moment? Sure. I wish we would have pulled the cross from the bad bitch Bible.
2: Um. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, bring it. <laughs> Come on, quote! Yeah. <laughs> what was your quote, though? I'm interested to hear. it Okay. And I'm gonna see so if I can find great quote in my
1: book. Okay. So, accomplish great things. We must not only act, but also dream. Not only plan, but also believe. Anatole
2: France. I think that's my name. Yeah, Anatole France.
0: That sounds like something that would have been in my chapter um always have something to talk about or don't be stupid bitch.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, elaborate. Elaborate on that chapter. Give us give it
0: to us. But don't be stupid,
1: bitch? hmm Uh if you don't have something to talk about.
0: Or always have something to talk about. Yes. Hold on, let me put it up. What page is that?
2: Hmm. Chapter three, you can't
0: take your bitches everywhere. That's very important to understand. That's true. All the times we learned that in undergrad. That is- <laughs> <laughs> Definitely
2: <laughs> true. Let's see. Let me pull a good quote from here.
0: Let's see. It is important to always have something to talk about. I stress this point to my friends all the time because it is such an important life skill. I pride myself on the ability to sit at any table in the room and engage at great levels, no matter the conversation. Having a plethora of background knowledge is pertinent as you progress to new dimensions of your journey as a bad bitch. It's the difference between the invitations you receive and the spaces you're allowed to enter. It's one thing to offer physical qualities like a bomb box and pretty petite body, but an empty head will make you a dull drag in the long run.
1: Come on, don't drag That is so good because people feel like looks is going to get them to the top and looks can only go so far.
0: Only goes so far. Read your quote one more
1: time. Okay. To accomplish great things, we must not only act, but also dream. Not only plan, but also
0: believe. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Cause I think that plan, I like that it said planning because the first step of any great idea is planning the execution. A lot of people want to blindly just go and things but things take planning. Like, I mean, nobody, an architect doesn't go into designing a build, building without a blueprint. A doctor doesn't go in to do a bad bitch's BBL without first marking her body down and understanding where he's cutting. There is not anything that happens on this planet without a plan. The first four letters of planet is plan. The whole planet has to plan. (laughs) So, yeah, and I do think that everybody has dreams. I think that that's the essence of human existence is that your dream is what gives you hope. If you don't have a dream, then the days when I was about to get evicted in L.A. and was like, damn, how am I going to put gas in this car? I had to have a dream because that's what gave me hope. So I'm a person that even though I'm not very religious, I don't knock anything that gives people faith or the energy to go on another day. I'm very much so like, okay, Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, whatever it is, spirituality, whatever's going to get you up to fight another day, you should seek that out and do just that. But I do think that it takes planning and you do have to have a dream. You do have to have an idea. You do have, because we can live till we're 90 years old. You think you can live 90 years and not have a dream of what you want your life to look like at 50, 40,
2: 70.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is about a dream. It's about a plan and it's about execution because some people have a dream and some people have a plan. But that's how come I hate the idea of like dating people for potential. Everybody yeah. has potential. Yes. That's nothing new. But not everybody has promise. That's right. Everybody has work ethic and nobody Loyalty. has execution, execution skills to go out and make the shit happen. So it's so many more layers. And I think the quote that you had really put the dreaming, the planning and the getting out and doing it in the one perfect thing. Just like this, like it's the spaces you're allowed to enter, what you're able to talk about, what you're able to make happen. You have to plan these things. You have to know or have a certain wherewithal about you to really, truly go out and get the things that you want in life. So if you just have a dream and you have all these plans, I've seen girls with notebooks and vision boards and guys okay. that have all these mood boards saved. And I'm like, so what are you doing about this? Even on a day, like what are your five-year goals? Oh, I want to have a big house. I want to be in the car. You know, I want to have, you know, a whole bunch of money. Okay, great. Most people. But what are you doing with uh-huh. do that? And crickets, and I'm like, check yeah. please, check okay. please, please check please. Now you're wasting <laughs> my time. <laughs> you're wasting my goddamn time.
1: Legit, because I always please have that backup book. Book question. Yes, like I've always had that backup question. What are you doing now to get to that? Because then- what are you not even supposed to have that? Let's just be honest. Some people be having those dream boards. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a billionaire. What if God don't even have that for you? And it just irritates me that you're still doing the same thing you were doing five years ago. When we was in college, you're still doing the same thing. I mean, you see it hadn't worked for you. How long have we been out of college? 10 years now? No, that's high school. I know, that's
2: high school. That's high school. I am not know you trying to age us, but since 2014. Like, I'm not even 30. <laughs>
0: 2014. It's a long time ago, um, and it's you have done the same thing. The same thing. I'm like, yes. so you haven't had no career. It, you haven't traveled. You haven't expanded a family. You haven't I don't know. It's and I mean everybody have their season, so I don't be trying to knock it, but it's just frustrating when you see people like you say that have the potential and the ability and they just do nothing sleeping so on. And
1: they just sleeping on. It. And that's why you it's
0: mentioned
1: 2001? Okay, yes. <laughs> and the
2: guy
0: tell with five me. talents went out.
1: Where can they buy the book? How can they find you? Website information. I know you mentioned that um, script writing, all that good stuff. Tell the people before we end where they they can find you and locate you.
0: So you can find my book, The Bad Bitch Bible on Amazon. Uh, It's available for shipping. I'm only doing the paperback right now because I really think that we should get back to this. There's something so powerful about having the tangible book. And I think that the digital age is losing that. And it's crazy how many people have wrote me like, I was complaining because it wasn't an e-book, but oh my God, I'm able to highlight and just put my hand right on and then it's more in my face. So I'm more focused on thinking about it when shit happens. So I kind of appreciate that. Uh, But it's on Amazon. You can also find it on Barnes and Noble. Um, Also, I do script editing. So if you have a book or a movie script or you need somebody to consult you because there's a formula to everything you've ever seen on TV and film. If you give me a script that's a feature script, If I get to page 10 of that script and I don't know your main character, what their motivation is and what's happening, I should know your main character, what their goal is and what's stopping them from reaching that goal. If I don't know the inciting incident by the 10th, 12th page, I'm scrapping your script. And most people just are telling stories to no end. So you call me to work on the character development to make sure that all of your characters are as deep as they can be, that your story is linear, that it makes sense, that you have a midpoint, that you have a climax, that you have the falling action, that you have the dark night of the soul, which is the point in the script where you feel like, oh, my character is about to be down and out and done, and then everything is back up again. So it's just knowing that. Um, I will give a little bit of free game. If you are interested in writing or needing that, Uh, i just asked that the people before they hit me up for consultations read a book called save the cat by blake snyder and it's like save the cat the last book you'll ever need about script writing or something of the sort you'll know it when you see it they have like a free pdf online but yeah it literally teaches you the inner fabrics of script writing for features um People that have written books have called me. I'm good with grammatics. If your story structure just doesn't seem to make sense, if there are portions that you feel could be more riveting and exciting, but you just can't figure out how to do it, I'm a great storyteller. I'm great at expanding the ideas you already have. I'm also ghostwriting my second book for a client right now about the myths of mental health, and she's a therapist, a black woman. and She had a great idea, but she's super busy, so she sent me the notes, and I've taken her notes, and I've written this book out for her i've also wrote a book for another entrepreneur about the things business school won't teach you um more about the practicality of the field of business so my writing is all over the place and you know the bad bitch bible is a self-help book written to help you limit your circle of concern while you expand your circle of control because shit's gonna happen to everybody and it's either you're gonna let that bullshit stop you and keep you in today And the sun is going to rise up tomorrow in the same spot and we'll find you in the same place. And that's going to just completely defeat the journey. And it's disrespectful to the journey to just sit in one place. So, I mean, I do some of everything. I think that anybody that reaches out to me at almost any capacity of life could seek to gain something from me. Like Bree said, I'm a connector. Guess what? Damn it. You want to do some real estate development? I know somebody I can send you to. You want to figure out how to deep in your stock dividends. I know a financial advisor. You need a private banker. you got $10,000, you're trying to invest to figure out what to do with it. I got a friend that's a VP at a private bank. Like anything you need, honestly, you can reach out to me and I can consult for it. Especially if you got the fee.
2: (laughs) Okay, don't forget the
1: fee. (laughs) Don't
2: forget the fee. Bree, tell them about the fee.
1: Well, I enjoyed you. I always enjoy our conversations. I've learned a lot of stuff that I didn't even know. I swear I thought you went to uh, New York first and then you decided to go to L.A.
0: So in New York, the branch here in Burbank, when you're doing the master's in producing, they give you an option to do the first year in New York and then transfer your last year to L.A. But after I went to New York for them two weeks, uh, I thought about a cold that was five degrees, negative 10. I was like, (laughs) I don't ever need to live like that. I'm fine. (laughs) <laughs> i'm out
1: i love it Well, everybody that's listening
0: please make sure that you support chris
1: in whatever endeavor because he always gonna have something new going on so make sure y'all uh, follow did you say your instagram
0: instagram is at chris welcome underscore k-r-i-s welcome like thank you you're welcome underscore that's my twitter handle um i mean you can reach out to me at the bad uh, yeah, you can just reach me on my socials and we can get everything going from there. Soon I hope to have the badbitchbible.com up and I will have my own author copies and I'll be packaging and distributing my own book. So it's a lot of things that I'm hoping 2022 brings about. I'm really excited. Oh, and I'm about to start writing my second book, uh, Let's Get Real, Bitch.
1: Oh, I see a book in our coming soon. We're going to put that in the universe.
0: Very much so. I just need to get this COVID out the way. Let's make it it out. And we're going to be outside.
1: Okay. we who, who going to be outside is us?
0: <laughs> and Ben.
1: <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> um,
2: Thank
0: I can't wait to see you again. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: I am so happy we were able to connect and just do this. I will see you in November.
0: <laughs> I'll be here. I'm going to make sure I'm going nowhere. Just make sure you give me the dates.
1: Okay. All right, y'all. So I want to thank y'all again for listening. If you're listening to this morning, noon, evening, or night, have a great one hey guys for more updates you can follow me on instagram at what's good underscore podcast or my personal account b.javon underscore javon is spelled j-o-v-a-h-n you can catch me on twitter what's good underscore pod c for charlie and then you can also catch me on facebook at what's good podcast